Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, it's Jody. Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is a special one. It's featuring Danielle Chokan. She's the head of marketing for Cosmoprof North America. And what I love about this episode is I've known Danielle for a little while now, and I've seen her at events, but I've never gotten to know her. And I really wanted to get to know her, and the podcast was a perfect place to do it. And she talks really openly about... Um, immigrating to the U.S. as a teenager, what it was like to be in public school in New York City after leaving Romania, and how that experience impacts the way that she moves through the world today. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you're going to be at Cosmoprof in Las Vegas in July, look for me and Daniela there. Hey, everybody. I am excited to say that I'm sitting with Daniela Chokan. She's the marketing director at Cosmoprof North America. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you. I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm so happy to see you. Last night, I got to see you at your Cosmoprof preview event. Yes, which was great. I hope you discovered something new. I did actually (laughs) discover something new, and I'm going to try it at home and see if I can do it, and then I'll report back, because it's incredibly novel. But um, I was trying to think about the first time that I met you, and you have such a striking presence, right, with your, like, beauty look, your hair, you're always in a bold lip. Is that right? Yes. Um, So I remember remember meeting you at, um, I think it was last year's Women's Wear Daily, Beauty Summit. We were sitting at the same table, and I haven't forgotten your face. Thank um, you. Have you always kind of owned this beauty look? Is this you know what, what you've been wearing for a long time? I always did. I think because of my pale skin, I've been very privileged to be able to play. So I, since we're in beauty industry, I'm, I'm very exper- experimental with my look as well. So I do. I did from jet black, blue hair to now I'm super blonde. I do pink in my hair, so I, yeah, I, I do like playing with my look. I think that that's one of the privileges we have since we work in beauty. Yeah, I um, I was blonde once. I, I, I don't it's not think, easy. It was not easy. <laughs> I was living in Miami at the time, so it made a lot of sense. So you had to be. The minute I moved back to New York, I felt like a fish out of water. You know, it felt so strange, like I was in a costume all the time. But when you live in Miami or like any other sort of warm place, it's very easy to go blonde very quickly. I'm West Coast right now, so I have to. I'm going blonder and blonder. And I say it's really the sun. It's nothing else. I'm getting blonder from the sun. Right. It's a ton of maintenance. But um, I think I am. I'm a brunette. But... I have played with, like, putting color in the back, you know, like, on the underneath layer. Um, After I had my first kid, I felt like, oh, I don't want to be, like, just the mom on the playground. I want to be the cool mom on the playground. the cool mom, of course. All the beauty tricks and what's hot and trending. Why not? You should totally do that. I had long hair at the time, so I um, dyed the whole under layer blonde, and then we put in, I don't know, pink or whatever other colors. And that was my way of having a little fun, right? Um, Trying to hold on to the old me. still do that. Right, as I became the new (laughs) me. Yeah, but you know what? I don't want to sit in a chair that long. I know. That's the problem. It's the maintenance. That's why I said it's not easy. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea, but I just don't feel like I want to sit in the salon for the hours it takes to get my hair bleached out and then to put the color in. Yeah. Um, but I think about it all the time. My um, sister-in-law is a colorist, so I have... Oh, so you have someone in the family. Someone in the family, access to her. I mean, it's awesome. So it will happen again. Um, I'll, I'll Okay, come July, during <laughs> okay, Cosmo maybe. North America. That's a good goal. Okay. I need a goal. You have, you have 40 days, about 45 days, I think, so you have time to do it and surprise me. Don't say okay, it. I will. I love it. Okay, so that's on my list. Okay, tell us, because um, you're not from New York, how are you going to spend your time today in New York? 
today I have, so every time I come to New York City, which is pretty often, it's almost two weeks, I have cram schedule. So today after this, I have a meeting with a company that creates very sticky content for beauty brands and that they push out on digital media. So I'm meeting with them. And then we have an awards program that we launched with Beauty Packaging uh, last year, and it's recognizing innovative um package and contract manufacturing mm. formulations mm -hmm. and we have a jury of judges that come from the industry and then today we're all meeting later today to review the finalists for each category and select the winner. Oh that's so fun. And the winner will be announced in Las Vegas on uh, Monday July 30th as part of a ceremony. So um that's a pretty fun job to have, right, jury? Yes, I'm, I'm privileged to have my hands involved in a lot of fun projects. Yes. That's awesome. Well, um, let's talk about your story because it's so fascinating. I'm so happy that you're willing to open up with us about it. You're born in Romania. I was born and raised in Transylvania, and I came to New York City. I came to the States with my mom. My dad was already here, and we, uh, we left the country during communist Romania. Um, my dad wanted me to have a better life and have opportunities, so he decided he was going to sacrifice himself and do it. I was an only child. And then I showed up here, and I was a, a rebelling teen, and you know you're going through so much at that age. And then I had to leave all my friends, come to a different culture, and um, it was a culture shock because I went to a public school, and they were all nationalities and all colors and races and I have never seen anyone different than I right different than my skin tone and uh, someone who spoke a different language I've never seen that so it was a culture shock for me and were you like a teenager at the time yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. so what was um what was your mindset when your family said, oh, we're moving? I cried nonstop. I didn't want to go, but I had no choice because when you're a teenager, you just have to do it, follow. Right. But you can remember, like, you can I go, remember right? clearly. I remember clearly coming here. I remember the smells in the school when I first went in. I was so afraid. My mom came with me. The first week when I went to school, my mom would come with me and sit outside of the class to just wait for me because I was very um, worried and and. I wasn't happy. Were you speaking English at that point? I spoke English. I recognized I had an accent and I sounded different than the kids. And I didn't want to speak. And I didn't mm. speak for a long time. I was always very quiet. Um, and I kept to myself. Um, but yeah, me, the realization that I was different, I, I spoke different, you know, really sank in with me and, and made an impression. I think to this day I carry that, that with me where, you know, I'm, I'm always very quiet. Right, you know, I um, in my few interactions with you before the podcast, I I realize that you're very quiet, and that comes across to me as like someone who's confident and po feels powerful, <laughs> right? Like that. Just um, I am a like kind of diary of the mouth sort of person. I'm like, I'm don't so jealous. stop I'm jealous talking. Over people like that. <laughs> you know, I I don't I don't have that. I think also my upbringing. So not only like what what happened when I came to this country and me me realizing I sounded different, but coming from communist Romania, when you grow up in a communist country, you're told from an early age to be careful what you say, not to share too much, mm -hmm. because you could get in trouble, right, over what is being said at home. Um, and that is ingrained in me. And I'm very, that's the reason I'm very quiet. And I think sometimes it comes off maybe not necessarily as being very friendly or, you know, standoffish, but it's, it's, it's not that at all. It's, 
you know, it's just you grow up with it and you can't, I, I, I can't change it. I wish I could. <laughs> Sometimes I force myself, right? But it's funny to hear people's perspective because they always think, even when you're, when I speak, for example, I hate public speaking and working with Cosmoprof, I have to do that quite a lot and make announcements. And, and there's nothing I hate more than getting in front of an audience and, you know, speaking. Um, and I have to do it. And when I do, everyone says, oh, you, how you did so amazing. You had such confidence. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I was dying inside. I think it was terrible. So it's interesting to see people's reactions and perceptions of you and then what you really have inside of you, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I feel like... Um that's the whole point of this podcast series, honestly. It's like hear what's going on really inside yes, people. Behind Be- your brain. <laughs> in your brain. <laughs> because I think when we go out into the world, right, like and do our There's job. A perception. There's always a perception right, like, of how you have everything's to. fabulous, everything's easy, everything's whatever. And um it's not true. And I think it's like, you know, it's it's kind of damaging to think that everyone around you has it all together and everything's easy for them, right? Yeah. So that's really the reason why I started the podcast is I needed to understand, like, am I the only one feeling, like, afraid or fearful or nervous or, you know, like a lack of confidence? But um, let's talk about high school because I just really find this so fascinating. Do you remember who, like, the first people were who reached out and became friendly with you? Yeah, so she's still my best friend to this day. She happened to be, she's from Romania as well. So my first day to, to high school, I, it was... Uh, my first class was PE, right? Physical ed. And so I went to the class and then I waited after it was over because usually in, in Romania you would be with the same group of kids for all your classes. And here it's different. You each go to your own session. And I did not know that. So day one I went and I kept waiting and no one came back. So then I went home. They too. Same thing happened. Wait, you went I home go, right after PE? Yes, because I kept waiting and no one would come. Like, there was no teacher who came. Kids didn't come back. So, so they too, I did the same thing. And then day three, I was wearing this uh, Romanian um, uh, top that are so trendy right now, the embroidered um, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. like ethnic uh, tops made of cotton. And so I was wearing it. And this girl comes to me and she says, hi in English, and I said, hi, and she's like, um, are you Romanian? And I said, uh, how do you know? Yes. He's like, mm, you're top. I was like, oh, okay. And she says, what are you waiting for here? And I said, well, I don't understand. Like, where is everyone going? What am I supposed to do? She's like, oh, let me explain. So she took my schedule, and then she said, you have to go to this classroom and this classroom. And it was all different. So it was, it was a difficult experience. But she was my first friend. And she's still my best friend. friend. That's so beautiful. I could just imagine um, that that feeling of somebody talking to you, right? Like um, It was a relief. So suddenly someone speaks to you in your language, and now you understand the system. Right. And to um, guide you. And, um, you know, I, I love, like, high school movies still. And I'm, like, I kind of feel like I'm there with you right now. Molly like, Ringwald. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I even watch, like, high school TV shows, like, things that are not meant for a 42-year-old. But, like, I love it. I mean, I think there's so, so, there's so much value in, like, revisiting those, like, really raw emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's so cool to hear that you're still friends with her today. That's we awesome. We are. We are, yes. That's cool. Yes. Well, let's talk... Um, about beauty. Uh, Was it always your passion? Yeah, so I fell in love with beauty. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So coming from communist Romania, you don't have 
marketing there. There's no need for marketing. Um, you're barely eating. Um, so, com so coming here, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And for sure, I had to go to school, to, to university, to college. So, um, and I started, I did accounting first. And I thought, you know, my parents wanted me to do that. And I, I didn't even know what accounting was. So I went, I did a six months. And then I realized after the first semester, it was the most boring thing ever for me. Um, and then I changed majors again to business administration, super boring. There was nothing to it. So then I, I, I dropped out of school. I stopped. And so wait, you have a, you're an immigrant family. Your parents come to the U.S. with you to make a better life for you. You get into college, and then you drop out. I drop out. Was there, like, chaos and screaming in the household? Not really, because at the same time, my dad got sick. So my dad was mm -hmm. the primary breadwinner, and then he had some health issues. So then I had to go to work. And I worked for a, a year while he was he was getting better mm -hmm. and then when he did then I said I want to do modeling and I signed up with a local modeling agency with Next in New York City and when you're a young girl and you're the modeling agency you're invited to all parties so I would party all the time and not work and then I would come home about half an hour before my dad would go to work so you're coming and, home at like 4.30 in the morning? Yeah kind of yeah exactly so my, my father sat me down and said you need a job or you move out because they're very traditional. So, okay, I need a job, but I don't really have skills. Um, so I'm ready to go clubbing. I'm dressed to the nines. <laughs> I have beautiful makeup on. Um, I'm a pretty girl. And then I go late at night, like 8 p.m., in a department store, J.C. Penney's. At the time, they were selling prestige beauty and Revlon used to be prestige and uh, I say I want a job and this older gentleman looks at me and it's like okay we'll fill out the application and then I got called in and then they hired me to sell makeup I was a makeup artist and um, I loved it and I fell in love with the industry then so I was in very very early 20s um, and that's, that's when I decided I wanted to pursue a career. I just didn't know how. I knew I wanted to be in beauty, but I didn't understand the opportunities. I didn't understand that you know, you could work in corporate. I, I kind of intuitively knew you could, but I didn't know there was a path you could follow. And um, I discovered FIT, and I went. I met with the chairperson, and FIT was just like starting out. I think it was year three. Oh, wow. They were doing the program. And... Um, the chairperson said, yes, if you come to the school and you graduate, you could work in product development. I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, what is product development? Or you could do marketing. And it sounded so exciting and glamorous, and I was just wanting it. So I signed up, and then I went to FIT, graduated magna cum laude, and that's how I got into beauty. Back to modeling. Did you actually, like, make any money doing it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> But I imagine you probably met a lot of other Romanian women. Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, really? No, mm -hmm. no, no. Well, okay, so you um, graduated from FIT. Um, did you automatically get a job after school? Um, I did. So while, while in school, I had to do an internship. That's part of the program to this day. And for me, I was dead set on doing my internship at Lauder. That was my dream. My dream job was to work at Estee Lauder on Fifth Avenue in the corporate offices. And uh, I did my, my internship there for six months. And it was an eye-opening experience because I realized 
one thing that stuck with me for the rest of my life to this day, which is I cannot work in a big corporate environment. I wanted to have the opportunity to just do things, right? And, and, and one day be able to, to immerse myself into one activity and then another day do something else. But I'm, I'm very much driven by um, novelty and, and, mm -hmm. and doing something new and different and trying out things. And I realized that working for such a large company, I wouldn't have the opportunity. Um, and then I got a job um, a few months after graduating. I worked with Kosei. Kosei is one of the largest Japanese manufacturers, and they wanted to get into the Western market, and they just had this one brand called Awake, beautiful brand. Um, I was the second person the distributor had hired, and I knew about beauty. I mean, I had sold beauty products behind the counter. I went to school. I did an internship at Lauder. But I, I needed a mentor, and I thought I could learn so much more from you know just being in the business world. And I realized uh, a few months into it that I knew way more about beauty than he did, but he knew business. Mm -hmm. And he really taught me like the skills that I have to this day, which is be personable. You know, when you write an email, don't just go for the kill, you know, <laughs> always soft, soften it, <laughs> say hello, how are you? And so, to this day, honestly, I think of him because I write an email and I'm just, you know, there's so much go coming around showtime and I'm just trying to be direct. And when I reread the email, it's always like, whoa, wait, I need to say hi, how are you? Is everything okay? Hope you well. <laughs> So those are things I learned right. from him. So let's go back to the internship at Lauder because you mentioned um, realizing that it's not the right place for you. Um, and when I um, was in college, I had an internship at AT&T, so not beauty, okay. but you know, also like a yeah. giant company. And I also felt like this is not right for me. Um, do you have a? Ch are you challenged by hierarchy? Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. That's what I um, I think I summarize my like discomfort and like uh, I guess sense of like this isn't for me. I summed it up as hierarchy is really hard for me. Yeah. Why do you think it's hard for you? Because you want to feel like you you matter. I think, and when you're in a large company, it's it's difficult to to give that to every single employee, especially to entry level employees. You know. Um, and you you don't get that reinforcement. You don't get the attention you need. And I think that we all thrive on it. I think we all need it. And many, especially technology organ organizations these days, are understanding that, and they have a way, you know, a flat a flat um, organizational structure uh, where people feel like they they can say they can say something, they can do projects that they're passionate about. Um, and I think more companies should look into it because otherwise you're, you're just demotivating, you know, people that are young and come with a fresh eye and fresh perspective, but they cannot contribute. Right. You know, at, um, at Base Beauty, we talk about we're not um, competitors, we're collaborators. Um, and I think that's what happens in hierarchy. Like people become like, well, I'm ahead of you. I'm older than you. I've been here. We're looking, right. All this stuff comes into play and, and all the politics of just doing the work. Um, so yeah, we are like, I don't know if we're flat, we're sort of like a circle, you know? I don't know, I don't know how to yeah. describe it. But um, hierarchy makes me uncomfortable. And I can look at, I can be a pedestrian, like I can be have a client that's very hierarchical, and I can look in on it. And knowing that I'm not in the muck of it is thrilling, quite frankly, you know, to be able to help them, um, but not be in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's like really, there's a, it, it sort of sucks the life out of people. 
um, especially young people. I remember my first job out of college was at a giant advertising agency, you know, like one of those huge um, New York agencies. You feel global. like you're a cog in a <laughs> Well, my job was to like literally move something from this room to that room or like from this floor to that floor. But, um, you know, I think um, bigger businesses would be able to move forward and stay relevant if they could had, have a way to hear what's happening with the younger people, right? Like we know that in beauty, right? Like our younger, our Gen Z consumer is like, exactly. is it, right? She's yeah. she's everything we want to talk about now and how to, how to communicate with her and share with her. Um, but a lot of industries really just miss the mark that way. Um, so it's nice to meet someone who is also so challenged by hierarchy because I always felt sort of like a, you know, a loner <laughs> in that sense. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, you know, I love this idea that you like worked on the beauty floor because I, I do hear this story often, right? Like I started at retail and I actually tell young people who are like, how do I get a job in beauty, right? They want to get a job at a brand or an agency. Um, I say, if you can't get that internship, just like go get a job at a store, right? Like that proves that you really care. Like you're going to learn so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so many of my like important lessons of like navigating through this business, I learned while having to be in store. Um, what, what were some of those lessons that you carry with you from being on the floor? Well, to, to this day, I mean, like you said, there, it, it makes an impact on you being able to, to be behind a counter and relate with a consumer where you're one-on-one -on -one and you're trying to um, sell them, give, give them a product that they're not familiar with. And it's not easy. It's not easy to do that. And you have to have the confidence and really believe in it. So when I, when I look at something, I, I, I think about, you know, a consumer. I think like a consumer. Um, it, it, it transformed me. And for me, even when I worked on the brand side, so before working with Cosmoprof, I worked uh, with Kose and we had this brand Awake. And I would make my team go and work in a store. Whenever we had PAs at Henry Bendel here in New York City, I would make my team come down and work in a store. I would work in a store when we had PAs. No matter you know, that I was the number two in a company, I would be behind the counter because it's so crucial hearing feedback from your consumers, seeing how they relate with your product, right? What do they like? How do they, like, the first thing that what they do when they open a bottle they smell it they all smell it always smell mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. um so the you know the, those kinds of observations are so important right um i learned also the art of um how to engage a conversation with someone who knows that you're a salesperson and they know they're the customer but how to soften that you know you spoke about like doing that via email right um and whenever I go into stores I feel like a secret shopper now right because I I know all this do you are you like a secret shopper all the time yeah I'm a, I'm a bad shopper though because I'm very direct I know what I want and it's it's frustrating when someone's trying to sell me I just want the information, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going there f with a specific purpose in mind, and I don't want to be sold on something. I don't want you to tell me, you know, I just have a question. If I have my question, just answer my question. So I sometimes get frustrated. So I think I'm a bad shopper. Oh, I'm like a really, like, I so love secret shopping, so I will actually play along. Oh, like, you I'm will? the opposite no, of you. No, for me, right? no. If you're like, oh, blah, 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 like eyeliner, like, eye oh, cream. tell me more. <laughs> yeah, because I want to see if they um, close the deal. That's my biggest challenge. So I'm like my agency's only salesperson, and I'm like as far from being a salesperson as you can get. Get I'm, I'm great at like 
listening. I'm great at like seeing opportunity, but the closing the deal, like making the sales so hard for me. I'm so intimidated by it. Asking for the money. Right. So I (laughs) asking for the work, asking for the money and believing in myself that we're, we're the right partner for you. Right. It's like, there's a kind of like a, a self-doubt thing that plays out, but I'm, that's what I'm waiting for, right? I want them to close the deal. I want to see how they do it. I'm so fascinated by it. And sometimes it's done really wonderfully. Um, and I like act different roles. So I'll go into like a prestige store and I'll say, I don't want to spend a lot of money and see how they handle it. Or I'll go into a mass store and be like, I really want the best. Right. <laughs> so, um, it's super fun for me. I should just like make a career out of secret yes, shopping. You should. You, should. you should do a diary about it and then podcast <laughs> my experience shopping clinic today. I should. Um, I love it. It's so fun. So, um, okay, let's talk about closing the deal when it comes to Cosmoprof, right? You're meeting with like like zillions of brands, right? Trying to figure out who are the right partners to be at the show and be you know, part yeah. of the story. Um, is there a closing the deal aspect to your work now? Um, not, not as much. So, um, my, my job is really to oversee anything that is experiential at the show. So I'm involved in more in the creative process, mm-hmm. right? Which is very fun. Um, but part of the creative process, when I started, I had to focus on engaging the retailers, um, the retail organizations and make sure they were coming to Las Vegas. And I, I came up with an idea of creating a, a special area that I can curate, I can hand select products that go in. And we launched Discover Beauty 11 years ago, I think 10 years ago. Um, and then for that area, since it was my, my idea and my playground, I, I curated it. So I do the curation to this day for all special areas, which are now almost a little over 10% of the show. Um, so in doing that, yes, you do actively seek for brands because you want to bring in trends and novelty. And I oftentimes go to other shows or uh, events, and then I seek out entrepreneurs to tell them and educate them on Cosmoprof. So there you do a little bit of selling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's from a perspective of we are really trying to help and uh, your business and this is what it can do for you. So I think the sale is a bit easier, but asking for the money is never is never easy. Like closing the deal for sure is not is not an easy feat. Um, and it's it's a frame of mind. You have to be in that frame of mind. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this perspective you have now with this job, right? You, um, I see it as sort of a bird's eye view of the industry, right? You're um, you're an explorer. You're um, discovering, and then you're curating. This sounds like a pretty awesome job. It's awesome. So the one, the one thing that Cosmoprof gives to me and the reason I've stayed for so long and I want to stay a long time is because I, I get to be involved in not only talking to so many interesting companies and startups that cover technology, that you know cover all kinds of uh, services, um, and companies from outside the industry too, because I love I love bringing fresh voices, and you bring them in conferences. So you organize conferences, and I have so much fun with that. Um, but then it's the curating, right? So talking to so many entrepreneurs and startups that are just like launching, and they want to get to um, distribution, and so getting to hear their stories, and then working with retailers who tell you, you know, what is it that they're looking for? What's their white space? Working with the investors, working with influencers. 
is. So you're kind of like at the hub of everything. And there's so much information that comes to me on a regular basis. And sometimes, you know, I, 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 I say to my team, my friends, I feel like I'm the 411 office because I get all these calls from random people just asking, what's trending in the States? What should I bring into my department store in, you know, Italy or whatever? Um, I need to hire someone. Can, can you recommend someone? I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for a contract manufacturer. Like, I'll get the most random things on an ongoing basis. And because of that, are you a great connector? Yes, very. Mm -hmm. I'm a good networker, I, I, I think. Very good. Mm -hmm. And I always believe in the six degrees of separation. Um, and I've, I've proven that it works because when I set my mind, when I, I do a project and I really want someone, I, I have an idea of who I want to go for, I, I am relentless. I'm like, okay, who do I call? Who would know someone that would know that person? Um, yeah, right. we, got, we got Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban like in a similar way, right? Because I had like, we can get him. I know we can get him. How? And we did. That's awesome. Yeah. So my last bunch of questions for you are really um, to tease out some nuggets of wisdom from this bird's eye view, right? Like since you're in the middle of it all. Um, my two questions, and I'll give them both to you. You can pick the first one first, second one second. Um, knowing what you know and seeing what you see, the first one is, what advice would you give to someone who's starting a beauty brand? Like, how do you compete in this, like, incredibly cluttered market? And the second is, what advice would you give to a marketer who's taking over a tired brand, right, a dated brand? Because it might be different, right? Like, a brand that maybe people have heard of but, like, don't care about anymore versus something that's brand new in the market. I think for an entrepreneur, they, they really have to understand the, the market dynamics because we see a lot of... Um, people coming from outside the industry or um, individuals that worked at multinationals who now want to start their own brands. And when you start on that journey, you, you always think of the product. That's what gets you excited, right? Creating the right formula, the right texture, the packaging. You fail to understand the business dynamics, like the, the, the markups, the margins. What do retailers really ask for these days? Because those margins are so high. Did you build that into your, your costs? You know, and I see that so much where we have companies come at the show, they spend all their money into creating this beautiful product, and then there they are with the hopes of if only Sephora or Alta will walk by, then they will pick up my brand and then I'm all set. And reality is that's when you better bring your pocketbook to the table because yeah. now you're going to start spending. And most of them have, by that point, like spent all their savings mm -hmm. because they think now I'm going to sell product and it's just going to like sell like hotcakes and I'm getting the revenue coming in. Right. So I think that would be my first uh, advice, like really understanding the margins and then what retailers' expectations are. And can you afford it? Is it the right place for you? I know everyone dreams to be at Sephora, right? But is that really the right place for you? Um, think about all the support you need to give mm -hmm. and then the margin you're going to pay and then decide, you know, don't make it like a gut reaction just because you go and then it looks glamorous and there's so many like Sephora stores and there's so many brands there. It's not necessarily the right place. Um, and then if you're on the other side, if you work for a legend brand that needs a little bit of TLC, I would say what we were discussing earlier, like try to get away from that structure where you know it goes from the top down and really 
uplift and listen to the young entry-level individuals because they have the perspective that's unadulterated, that is so fresh, right? And they have so many ideas. Engage them, listen to them. Um, and be open, try things. I think the, the, the beauty of Cosmoprof and the reason we've won so many awards for innovation for trade shows is we, I always do new things. I always say, well, what if? What if? Let's try. If it doesn't work, maybe we learn something and then we'll do it better next year. Or if not, we don't do it. But we tried. And right. try it a small way. You know, you don't have to, like, invest millions of dollars. Try a small project. You know, now with online, it's so easy to just test a concept and see if it has legs, so. I love that advice. Um, you know, I think this idea of like, try it and we'll see what happens, it's the opposite of perfectionism, right? It's saying like, it's okay if it doesn't work, it's okay if we learn only one thing and the one thing is, you know, not you yeah. know, to not do it again. Yeah. Um, and I think so many people suffer from perfectionism. Perfectionism is true. Right? There was a book uh, I was reading, I forgot the name, but it, it really talks about how in te technology companies are very good at just throwing out ideas, right? Even if they're not fully baked, but putting it out there and seeing how consumers interact with the technology and then like finessing it and working on it. Right. Um, and I think that that's something to learn from. Right, super advice. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. It was my pleasure, it was fun. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Daniela. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.